welcome, Everlast. How are we tonight? We're doing good? Um, well, let me just say we are so excited that you have joined us tonight. My name is Tina. If you don't know me, nice to meet you. Uh, I am the Young Adults Coordinator here, and Kevin, who just led worship for us, is our Young Adult Pastor. And uh, we really are just so glad that you have chosen to join us uh, in the summer. So welcome. Um, well, tonight, as Kevin mentioned, we are continuing in our series that we have been in this summer as we are diving into the book of James. And if you have been with us for any of the messages, then you know that the book of James gives us pretty practical ways on how we should live our lives for Christ. Uh, if you are a believer in the room, then your relationship with Jesus uh, should be impacted. There, there should be, it should directly affect how you live your life. Uh, there should be a noticeable difference for those who are followers of Jesus. And that totally makes sense, right? It's a life-altering decision that should affect every area of your life. When you get married, or if you are married, or if you uh, one day want to be married, that decision directly affects your life, right? It would be weird if you were to come up to Kevin and I and say, hey, uh, ha has marriage changed your life? And it would be weird if our response is, uh, yeah, no, not really, hasn't, hasn't changed anything, right? Uh, I feel like we're still living the single life, doing our own thing. At the end of the night, he goes home to his house, I go home to mine. Not much has changed, right? You would be like, that's super different, like, wow, right? Or uh, if I asked, if you asked a new parent, hey, how, how's parenting going? And their response is like, ah, it's easy. We don't really think about the baby much, kind of does its own thing, and we just, we, just let it, we just let it do its own thing, right? You'd be like, uh, is your baby alive? And I think we need to call someone, right? And here's the reason for that is those relationships directly impact our lives. And so should our relationship with Christ, right? It wouldn't add up or make sense if you claim to be a believer, yet your life has not been impacted, uh, affected, and changed for Jesus. And so tonight, James shares with us that one way in which our lives should be directly impacted is in how we go about planning our lives, how we go about making plans. So if you will turn to James chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 13, James chapter 4, 13 through 17. Uh, we are going to be there, and we're going to pray, and then we will dive on in. And so, Father, we, uh, Father, we love you. God, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for uh, tonight. Lord, I ask uh, that you would move in and through this place. Lord, that you would use me, God, that you would speak through me. Lord, uh, I pray that you would sustain me as I uh, speak your word. And so, Father, help us to have um, ears that are listening and hearing what you have to say to us and hearts that are ready uh, to hear from you. So, Father, we just love you. We thank you for tonight, and we ask that your will would be done. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, every year, honestly, since I can remember, uh, my family does a July 4th trip at uh, our family's lake house. Uh, It's in the great state of Texas, and it was originally my great-grandpa's house that then got passed down to my grandpa, who's like 93 now, to now has gotten passed down to my dad. So it's stayed within the family, and it's, uh, it's awesome. Like, I just can remember, and I have pictures of me, like little Tina, uh, at the same uh, lake house. And so every year, that has been a tradition in my family, that we spend July 4th at the lake house, tubing, fishing, wakeboarding, uh, fireworks, card games, all, all the things. And ever since Kevin and I moved to Colorado, that trip becomes more and more sweet to us because we don't really get to see our family a whole lot. And so going to the July, annual July 4th trip uh, just fills up that much needed quality time. And so every year we, we plan for this trip and we go to our overseer and we say, hey, this trip's going down. Here are the dates. We get those dates approved. We book the flight. And then we plan for the trip. Well, last summer, so obviously not this summer, but last summer, uh, just a few days before the trip, I called one of my best friends. Her name is Stephanie. She lives in Texas. And I'm on the phone with her, and I'm like, hey, I'm so stoked. We're going to be in Texas uh, for two weeks. Would love to see you while uh, we're there. And she's like, that'd be awesome. Would love to see you. And so as I'm talking to Stephanie, I notice um, I have like this tickle in my throat. And, uh, and I was like, gosh, man, like, I got this weird tickle. I kind of coughed a little bit. And I was like, man, I really hope I'm not getting sick. And that's kind of when COVID was spiking up a little bit. And so we were like, nah, it's, I'll, I'll see you in a couple days. Well, that night, uh, that tickle turned into a cough to a fever to a massive headache. And then a couple days later, uh, Kevin and I testing positive for COVID. And I just remember being so upset, like just so frustrated because we had planned for this trip. We had our flights booked for this trip for for months. We had two weeks off of vacation after just coming off of a really, really busy season. And I knew we're going to miss the entire annual July 4th trip that we just so looked forward to uh, going to. I had made plans And those plans didn't turn out as I had planned. And everyone in this room tonight can relate to that in some form or fashion. Everyone in this room tonight has experienced making plans and those plans not turning out the way that you wanted or planned for them to go. Right? Some of you in the room tonight had uh, planned on being married by now. I heard some amens. There you go. (laughs) Meet up after this. Um, some of you in the room tonight uh, had planned on having a job by now or having kids by now, right? Or some of you may have made plans today that changed or turned out differently than, than how you had planned for today to go. All of us make plans. All of us have our own agenda. But what James is about to tell us is that how we plan our lives should look different for those in Christ. Because it is the Lord who wills our plans. Look at James uh, chapter 4, starting at verse 13. Come now, you who say, 
Today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Now, now let's pause here for a second. So James is saying, hey, for anyone who has plans to travel, right, to go to a specific place, uh, to arrive at that specific place, uh, who says they will be there for a certain amount of time, to do something there, to engage, uh, to exa- example, to gauge in business, and then to get a result, to make a profit, James says, if that's you, you're arrogant. In fact, not only are you arrogant, but such boasting in your plans is evil. And we see that in verse 16. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. And James says, if that's your speech, you're prideful. Now, most commentators believe that James is talking to uh, believing businessmen, but, but it's much broader than that. James is talking to anyone who says, I'm going to a certain place. I'm going to do something, and I'm going to get a result. And for anyone whose speech is reflective of that, James says, you're arrogant. Now, when we hear that, some of us immediately are like, what the heck, James? Right? I, I, was, I thought planning was, was a good thing. Right? I, I had planned on coming to Everlast tonight to worship Jesus. James, that's a good thing. Or, or maybe tonight you plan on, after this, going to get dinner. James, I got to eat. If I don't eat, uh, that's not going to be good. Or some of you plan on going home tonight and then going to sleep. James, I got to sleep, right? If I don't, I'm going to go insane. And, and for some of us in the room, it sounds like James is saying that planning is bad, that, that James is just anti-planning. But that's not what James is saying or implying. Planning isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's, it's a really good thing at times. But what James is saying is that if you plan without having the correct mindset or perspective in mind, then it's wrong. And so what is that correct mindset? What what is that correct perspective that, that James is getting at? And James says it's taking into account two things. It's taking into account a true view of your life and a true view of God. Look at verse 14. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. James says, if you make plans and you fail to take into account the true view of life and the true view of God, then it's arrogant. So, so let's dive into this a little bit. Let, let's hit on first the true view of life. That the true view of life that James is talking about is found in verse 14 when he says, yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. The first problem with planning in a way that says, I will do this, I will do that, is that you don't know what tomorrow will bring. Right? You, you, you didn't know what tonight would bring. Right? You could have came into Everlast met the one your heart has been waiting for, you meet, get married, have lots of babies, right? I don't know. It it totally could happen. But the point is, you have no idea what tomorrow will bring. And the truth of the matter is, the reason you don't know what tomorrow will bring is because you aren't in control of what tomorrow will bring. 
It's like when I made plans to go to Texas, right? My speech was as if I was in control of that trip. I was under the false assumption that we planned it, we bought the tickets, so it was going down. It was going to happen. And and when we do that, it creates this false sense of control that we are in control of our own plans. And we dictate what is going to happen. When in reality, we are in control. God is. Which is why James says, it is arrogant of you to talk this way. to, To think you are in control when you aren't. And so James makes it a point to say, when you plan, you need to have the right view in mind that you don't know what tomorrow will bring. And so James goes on to say, also, in order to have the right view of life, it's knowing that your life is short. Your life is but a mist. Verse 14, yet you do not know what your life will be tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Right, your life here on earth is very short. So much for the fact that James gives the illustration of a vapor that appears and then immediately vanishes away. And so that would be like you waking up on a cold Colorado winter morning, going outside, taking a deep breath in, and then exhaling. And what happens when you do that is because of this scientific process called condensation. You're about to learn some stuff tonight. When you exhale, when it's cold outside, the water vapor in your breath condenses into lots of tiny droplets of liquid, liquid water and ice-solid water so that you see in the air as a cloud similar to fog. Right? You, you are able to see your breath. But what happens immediately after that? It disappears. It's only for a brief couple of seconds that you can see it. I'll just give you another example. Uh, This is a breath freshener. I didn't even know they still made these things, but I was like, sweet, this works great for the analogy. So I just want you to watch because this is just really a great example of what James is talking about. Are you ready? (laughs) I'm going to do it again because if you didn't see, it's because you're in the back or because it was so quick, you blinked and you missed it. So I need you to keep your eyes open, and I need you to watch. That is an illustration of how quickly and how short our lives here on earth really are. It's but a vapor and a mist. That you are but a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. When Kevin and I got married and were living in Texas, I got the privilege every year uh, on August 30th, which is coming up. Ooh, got emotional there. Uh, August 30th is the anniversary of Kevin's mom's transition into heaven. And so I got the privilege uh, when we got married, I think actually when we, we were engaged, of going with him to her gravesite. And so we would go every year on August 30th, and uh, we would go into uh, the gravesite, and we would sit there, and we would pray. And honestly, it was just a truly a reflective time in us contemplating our lives here on earth. 
And the Lord would use that time that we were there to really just put things into perspective as we would uh, talk about his mom uh, and sit and look around at all the other tombstones. Sometimes we would walk around and just even read uh, some of the other tombstones. And we would watch people walk into to the area as they would go, and whether it was loved ones or family or friends, and they would sit or they would put flowers on who, where they were going to uh, to pray or to just to contemplate life. And every time the Lord brought perspective, and that perspective is that this earth is not our home, that this life we live is but a vapor. Our, our time here on earth is very short-lived. And listen, that's a good thing to keep in mind. It's, it's, it's good that we think about that and have an eternity mindset. Uh, in Psalm 90, uh, a prayer of Moses, he says that our lives are like grass that is renewed in the morning and in the evening it fades and withers. Even if we reach old age, verse 10, the years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength 80, yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. And so he asks in verse 12, Knowing that, Lord, teach us to number our days so that we may get a heart of wisdom. So that, so that we would steward the time in our days well. And James says, when you make plans, you need to think about that and take that into account. That your life is but a vapor and a mist. But because in doing this, it changes how we speak about our plans, how we think about our plans, how we go about planning, and it would impact in how we live. And when we have this right and accurate view in mind, it causes us to ask the question, how am I living my life? And more specifically for believers in the room, if you're a believer in the room, how am I living my life for Jesus with the time that he has given me here on earth? Are my plans centered around his? And James' point with the short amount of time that, that you have is that when you make plans, keep that in mind. Let that shape and prioritize your plans in your life. That that is having a true view of your life. And with having a true view of your life, we then have a true view of God. That the second thing that, that James mentions in regard to how we should plan is having a true view of God. Verse 15, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. Right? James is sharing with us two points here when it, when it comes to having the, the true view of God in mind. And uh, the true view of God in mind, that the Lord is the one who wills if we live or die. And it is the Lord who wills what you do while you exist in this life. Right? The Lord is the one who's in control. Ephesians 1.11 says, God works all things according to the counsel of his will. Not God works all things according to the counsel of your will and your plans. It's his will that will be accomplished. In fact, the psalmist says uh, to God, your, your eyes saw my unformed substance, and your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. Which means the days that God has allotted for me and you are already written in a book. They're already decided. 
that there aren't any extra ones outside the book that, that slip up on God. He determines when we live and when we die. And, and he's in control over that. It's his decision. And listen, we have no control in that, which honestly should bring us peace. Because listen, you are immortal until God's work for you is done. Like, you really, you, you, you will not die. You will not die until God intends for you to die. And that's kind of awesome. I mean, that should bring us rest in knowing that. And when we have this perspective in mind, this right and accurate view of God that he wills and is in control over our lives, then we're able to give credit where credit is due. Right? We are to humbly come before God in our plans and say, if the Lord wills, I will see, I will live and see tomorrow. And it puts us in this place of humility and surrender that my plans are in his hands. Which is why James continues on and says, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. I love how Ben Stewart, uh, he's a pastor and uh, uh, he's just an amazing, amazing teacher. One of my favorite teachers. I love to listen to Ben Stewart. If you haven't heard him, go look him up. But Ben Stewart says, uh, he says, the Lord doesn't just determine if you continue to exist, but he determines what you do while you exist. If you have plans of something that, that you want to accomplish, you're only accomplishing those plans because it was the Lord's will for you to accomplish those plans. It is the Lord who wills if we do this or that. Uh, I can remember for me, uh, right out of college, I worked uh, for a company in Texas. It was a multi-million dollar company, and it was a grind. Uh, I would get up at 5.30 in the morning, uh, get to get drive all the way to work, and then I wouldn't get home till at times 7.30, 8, 8.30 p.m. at night. And this was every day, Monday uh, through Friday. And so I can remember that season because I remember when the Lord was bringing me out of that season where he, where he was speaking to me and was saying, hey, I think your time here at this company is, is done. And the reason for that was I really believed that the Lord was calling me into ministry. Uh, but I had no idea what that looked like. I didn't even know what ministry entailed. I didn't even know what looking at a church, uh, working at a church looked like. I didn't even know you could get paid for working at a church, right? I just knew I really believe that the Lord's calling me to ministry and to step out of this job. And so went to Kevin. I was like, I think the Lord's asking me to quit. And uh, we prayed about it, and I did. I stepped out in faith, and I quit. But the thing is, uh, in my pride, I can remember being like, okay, Lord, I stepped out in faith. I, I was obedient to what you had asked me to do, right? I I'm faithful. And so because of that, your plan is for me to get a job in ministry uh, sooner than later. And so month after month after month after month after month, no ministry job. Not just no ministry job, no job in general, right? And, and it wasn't like I was just sitting around the house like waiting for a job to fall in my lap. I, I was applying to jobs. I was interviewing at, at, at jobs. I was even making it to the final interview uh, of awesome ministry opportunities. Like it was between me and one other person, and then the Lord would shut the door. 
And I remember just being so frustrated, like, I quit my job and stepped out in faith, and I thought this was what you had planned. This was my plan, Lord. Like, our, I thought this was, was our plan. Like, what's happening here? And then month after month after month after month, and it wasn't until a year later uh, that I get a call from Kevin, my husband, who said, uh, hey, uh, the church that you've been serving at and the volunteering in the student ministry wants to hire, hire you on. And I remember that moment, and I was, like, so thankful uh, that I got to do what I got to do. The, the Lord had planned and shut all those doors for me to be able to work on staff at our church that we came from, and I grew and grew in teaching and was able to learn um, all student ministry things in that, in that time frame. But the reason that I share that is because as I look back on that season of my life, one of the things that the Lord was showing me and teaching me was that his plan and his will were going to be accomplished in his timing. That the, the only reason that I got that job uh, in the timing that I got that job was because the Lord willed it. And we need to have that correct and accurate, true view of God. That, that he is in control and wills if we do this or we do that. That, that our activities, our accomplishments of our lives are in God's sovereign hands. And listen, even Paul knew that, right? Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, knew this. In fact, in uh, Acts 18.21, Paul was leaving Ephesus, and on taking leave, he said, I will return to you if God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus. And in 1 Corinthians 4.19, Paul says again, knowing that God is the one who is over his life, God is the one who wills if we do this or that, he says, but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills. Right? Paul is acknowledging the fact that the Lord is the one who wills and has a right and true view of God. That as he is making his plans and speaking about his plans uh, to others, that his perspective and mindset is one that knows at the end of the day, God is the one who's in control. That his will and his plans will be accomplished. Now, I want to just um, pause here for a second and acknowledge the fact that I think there are some of us who struggle with this in the room. Because we want to be in control. We want our plans to be accomplished. We want our desires to be met and our prayers to be answered in that specific way that we want. And at times, God's will for our lives looks different than what we would have planned and what we would have willed or wanted for our lives. And I just want to encourage you, in the moments that it may be hard to embrace the will of God, that it may be hard to understand the will of God in the situation and circumstance that he has willed for you to go through, I just want to encourage you that God understands. And I don't just say that to say that. Like, hey, God understands. Listen, God understands how difficult it can be for us to embrace the will of God because, listen, God the Son, Jesus, had to embrace the will of God the Father before his death in the Garden of Gethsemane. Scripture says in Mark 14 that Jesus was in distress. 
He was troubled. It says his soul was sorrowful to the point of death, knowing what he was about to face and endure on the cross on our behalf. Everything in his human flesh wanted to flee the impending physical torture of crucifixion. Which is why Jesus pleaded with the Father, if there was any other way besides this horror of crucifixion and abandonment, would he please take that away? He he pleaded to be delivered from God's will. In Mark 14, 36, it says this, and he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. But then he says nine words that come next. Yet not what I will, but what you will. God understands how difficult it can, to, it can be to embrace the will of God. Yet he says, yet not what I will, but what you will. And let that be an encouragement to us. That, that if it wasn't for God's will to send his only son, to, to die a death that we deserved, to take on our sin and the wrath of God, to take on the punishment for us, that, that Jesus died in our place so that through the cross and his resurrection that we might become the righteousness of God, that he made a way for us so that we might know him and have a right relationship with him. It is God's will that we would be reconciled back to him through his son Jesus for those who place their faith in Christ. And listen, when we are reminded of that, it should humble us and cause us to have a true view of God. That that he is in control of all things and that it is his will that will be accomplished for our lives. And that should change how we go about making and speaking of our plans. That that when we have a true view of our life and of God, that it transforms how we think, speak, pray, act, and how our lives are lived out for the will and glory of God. And James says that is the correct way in which we should go about our speech. That we ought to say If the Lord wills, we live and also do this or that. And if we don't do that, if we take God out of the equation, then James says not only is that arrogant, but if you aren't thinking about God when making your plans, it's evil. And Everlast, it is arrogant not to believe with your heart And confess with your lips that ultimately God governs how you live and what you will accomplish. We are to give God all the glory and all the praise for what he has accomplished in and through our lives. And my prayer, Everlast, is that we would be a ministry that has a true view of life and a true view of God And in knowing that true view, that we would live our lives in such a way that our plans and our lives are directly impacted in a way that shows and proclaims, if the Lord wills. Amen? Let's pray.